John chapter 15, verse number four. We will read verse four through eight. We thank you for standing with us as we read the word of the Lord. Amen. You can look on the screen above. You can get out your smart device and use that, or you can just go how, how they used to go. I don't know if they still go this way and just the real deal here. I wonder if there's going to be a day where people just won't have Bible and Bible will be so it will be worth a lot more than it is now because you can't find them. I don't know. We got all the word on the, all these devices. I got my word right here, though. Amen. Yes, sir. Thank you for the word of God. Hallelujah. Anybody ready for the reading of the word? Anybody ready to hear what God has to say this morning? <laughs> John chapter 15, verse number four, the word of the Lord says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they burn. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with us. Thank you for reading along with us. I've entitled the message today, Abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. According to the law of growth for a tree, the branch is dependent on the vine, not the other way around. The branch can only reveal what the vine produces. The vine is the life of the branch. It gives the branch value and enable it to produce fruit. The branch is dependent on the vine. The branch is dependent on the vine. The branch is dependent on the vine. The branch may wither and fall. Or be cut off. And guess what? But another branch will grow. Look at the trees. Just picture it. Branch on a tree. It can wither and fall off. But another branch will come out. Hmm. Jesus Christ used himself as an example 
of the vine and we as the branches. He used this example example to get us to understand the significance of the vine and the significance of the branch. And he says that we are the branches and he is the vine. Hmm. Christ is the vine. But if we want to take it a step further and understand what he's really saying, he is saying, I am life. Jesus is wanting us to know this morning that he is life. Life flows from him. (laughs) He is responsible for life. You ever stop and ask yourself to say, where did life first come from? It had to start somewhere because nothing just happens. Everything has a beginning and an ending. Except for life. What's his name? That's who is life. That's the only one that don't have a beginning and an ending. He always was. He always is. And he always will be. He is the one that is the originator of life. Without him, there is no life. Without him, there is no existence. And so God Almighty is trying to let us know that we are not the ones responsible for life, but life came from him. If life came from him, it's amazing how we're trying to do life without the one who brought forth life. Somebody hear me today. Jesus, the almighty God, is the one responsible for life. Life did not happen without him. He was the one that brought forth life, and we can't do life without him. You cannot do life and be successful at life without the one that gave life. I am the branch, but he is divine. In John chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible says, all things were made by him. Do we really believe and understand that everything that exists, uh, it exists because of the almighty God? All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And here we go, in him was life, and the life was the light of men existing and knowledge came from the almighty God. Existence and knowledge came from the Lord 
God Almighty. And so when he says in him was life and the life was the light of men, light means knowledge. And so when you have the light turned on, it means you have knowledge. That's why we said, oh, I can see. Yes, I understand now. It means the light has come on because you receive knowledge. Well, the light can never come except for the Almighty God. Make it possible. The knowledge that we will ever have, it will come from God. The understanding we will ever have, it will come from God. The life that we will live, it will only come from God Almighty. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. He gave us existence. He gave us the being of being existing. And then He says, and I'm going to give you knowledge so you know what to do. We can't do life without Him. We got to abide in Christ. We can't do life without Him. Tell your neighbor, you can't do life without Him. Tell your other neighbor, you can't do life without Him. We're trying to do life without him, Tony. We can't do life without him. Doing life without Jesus is like just living a suicidal life. Oh, don't get quiet on me now. It's like living a life knowing what's going to happen to you and it's not going to be good. Doing life without Jesus is making a determination that I'm going to live my life and do it the way I want to and take the consequences of the ending of it. That's suicide. But if you decide I'm going to abide in Christ, what you're saying is I'm going to live my best life and at the end of it, I'm going to get an even greater life. It's a no-brainer to say that I'm going to abide in Christ as opposed to deciding, let me do my thing. It's a no-brainer. One is suicidal, and the other one is having, you know, people like to say, I'm living my best life. Oh, please, come come measure up with mine, because I'm living my best life. Are you kidding me? I'm living my best life. The life that I live for Christ is almost unfair. When you live it for Christ the right way, people begin to, to get jealous of you. When you live in your life for Christ, people begin to talk about you. You know why? Things just seem like it's going so well for you, and they're wondering why it ain't going as well for them. Well, baby, I'm telling you how it's going well for me. I'm abiding in Christ. I'm doing what He says. I'm trusting Him for everything. And because I'm trusting Him, because I'm abiding in Him, because I'm doing what He says, the favor of God will continue to be upon my life. Somebody help me this morning. Abide in Christ. He is life and he is light. He gives you life. He gives you existence and then he equips you with knowledge. Told you a long time ago, today where I am in the professional world, I should not be. Don't have the right education. Don't have the, all the degrees that you need to be in a position that I'm in. But when I met Jesus uh, and I surrendered my life to him uh, and I decide come hell or high water, I'm trusting him uh, and I'm rolling with him. Uh, guess what? He began to equip me with insight, with understanding, with knowledge. Uh, that when I sat in the boardroom uh, with the highest of the highs of this world uh, and I spoke uh, with the knowledge that he gave me, they said, who is this? In him is life and light. I don't want to forget about the light part. 
I don't just want to have uh, 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 existence. Some of us are just existing. Uh, you don't want to just exist. Uh, you want to exist and have the knowledge uh, of who God is uh, and the knowledge of how to do life in this life. Uh, oh, somebody help me this morning. Uh, we can't just exist. Uh, we need to exist uh, with the knowledge of God. You get that by abiding. In John chapter 11, verse 25, the word of the Lord right here is talking about when Jesus uh, 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 was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. In verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Why wouldn't I want to do life? with Jesus. You don't want to do life without him. He says he is the resurrection and the life. He's saying I am the author and the cause for things to be resurrected, for people to be resurrected. I am the cause of it. I am the one why people are raised from the dead. Nobody could be raised up except he raised them up because he is the author of resurrection and life. Somebody not hearing me this morning. In Matthew 27, verse number 50, the word of the Lord say, Jesus, when he had cried with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. Mm, mm, mm. And the graves were open. The man was on the cross. And while he was on the cross, he is so powerful. He has control over all things, all spirits, all of society, all everything have to respond to the creator, to the one that brought forth their existence. Somebody better hear me this morning. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Everything that is made was made by God and everything that is made by him must either at their own will or at his will respond to him and say you are my maker you are my creator you are my designer you are my author it doesn't matter what you are it doesn't matter who you are one day you're gonna have to admit because every person everything must respond to its creator I don't care who they are, whether they come to church or don't want to come to church. I don't care who you are if you're in church and you don't want to praise Him. Hear me loud. Hear me clear today. We will have to respond to God one way or another. I'd rather do it voluntarily or not involuntarily. I'm going to respond to God because I know who He is. He gave me life. I'm going to respond to God because I know who He is. If I die before the rapture, He will raise me up. I will praise him. I will respond to him. I will give him the honor that he deserves because he gave me life. I don't know if you believe in me today. I don't know if you believe in me today. I don't know if you're hearing what I'm saying today, that God gave you life, that, that, that God is the one that's responsible for you breathing in this place. Uh, oh, I don't care who you are, the, the, the greatest scientist, I don't care who you are, go back and trace it. Where did life come from? I can save you the time. 
I can save you the effort. I can save you the money. The life that you have today came from the Almighty. That's where the life came from. And so if, if he was the one that, that is the author of life, shouldn't we be checking in with him and say, hey, dude, how does life thing work? Man, people travel to places. Well, Israel probably see more tourists than any place else in the world. Israel may seem, Google that somebody and let me know once you get it. Where's the more, most visited place in this world? Israel got to be in the top five. Why do you think Israel in the top five? Everybody want to go see the place where Jesus walked. Everybody want to go see the place where Jesus talked about in the Bible. So they, they get visits. I think somewhere around five million people a year visit Israel. So we'd rather just go visit the place where he walked. We'd rather go visit the place where he did miracles as opposed to go visit him personally. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. I, I appreciate where he was born. I appreciate where he walked. I appreciate the things that he has done. But if he's given me access to him, that's who I want to meet. That's who I want to encounter. That's who I want to have an experience with. I, I went to Israel and I appreciate being there, but ain't nothing better than interacting with Jesus. There's nothing better than having a real experience with the Almighty God. Church, hear me today. All of us need to seek and to reach for God to say, I want to experience with you. I want to experience with you. I want an experience with you. He is life. Life originates from him. Life flows from him. He is the one that, that, that brought forth everything. What's the most visited place in the world? Mm-hmm. You were supposed to give me top five, man. They normally give you top five, don't they? All right, I'll go on. <laughs> Without the vine, the branch can bear no fruit. Understand that. Without the branch... The vine, the branch can do nothing. As the branch has no life without the vine, neither do we have life without Christ. That's what he was trying to get them to understand in John chapter 15. Just stop for a moment and think about a tree. Nice big tree planted in the earth. Understand that what you see is not Everything that's at work, every tree that will bring forth fruit, it brings forth fruit by the vine that's within it. The branch is what holds the fruit, but the vine is what produces the fruit. As a matter of fact, we can go a little deep with that and say, listen, when you're talking about a grapevine, it operates almost without any branch. I mean, the little branch that comes from it, I mean, they're flimsy branches. So grapes really grow on vine. So really, if you stop to think about that, it makes me think this way. 
if I'm the branch and he is the vine, and, and we can get fruits from vine, but we can't get fruits from a branch, then we need him. And the only way we can ever produce any fruit is from him working in us. He is the vine. We're the branch. All we do is carry the fruit around that belongs to him. A lot of times church folk, Christian people, sometimes take credit for what's happening in their life. And really all we need to do is submit to him and he will work through our life. And the fruit that we will bear, remember I just told you, people get jealous of you when you really submit to God because you don't look like you're doing anything different from them. But all of a sudden, favor and blessing is flowing in your life. And they wonder, what's going on with that? And they doing sideways stuff like that. Like, you know, but the bottom line is the secret sauce is you've been submitted to Christ. And he is working in your life to produce his fruit in your life. And so you look like you're doing this fantastic job when you're not really doing nothing. It's him that's doing the work and you're manifesting the work that he does. It ain't you that's working. Uh huh. I stand here and minister to you. It's not me. It's, it's, it's God. He raised me up. He molded me and shaped me. He did what he wanted to do in my life. And I'm only standing here because he designed it that way. He commanded that way. And everything that he speaks to this congregation through this, this, this frail and, 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 and this person that is flawed, everything that he speaks through me has nothing to do with me. It has to do with him. It's amazing how God can use a flawed man like me to tell your business to you and I never spoke to you about your business. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Sometimes people come to church and the, and the Lord speaks directly to a situation that's going on with them and they don't try to let you know because they don't want you to know. But they sit there and say, oh my goodness. Woo. Church, that's God. Don't you let the devil trick you and tell you and tell you somehow the man heard something from somebody. That's what the devil will tell you. When you hear something from this pulpit that speaks directly to you, you better say, thank you, Jesus. That's the reason why we clap our hands when we're in the church. That's the reason why we worship God and praise him because we're saying, man, God, you're so good to me because you're talking to me because you're giving me instructions. You're so good to me and I thank you for it. But because of our pride sometimes, we, we, we just go in our shell and like, mm, can't wait to get out of that church because I don't want nobody to know. Because you think somebody going to find it. If he's saying it, somebody else going to know. No, because he don't even know what he's saying. The preacher don't know what he's saying. He is just a vessel of God. And God is speaking through him. And that's all it is. He don't know what he's saying. How many times people say, you said this, and man, how do you know? I'm like, I don't even remember saying that. Because all I am is God's vessel. Don't you think that I'm something? I am nothing. I'm just like you, part of the body, living for God, doing my best to stay right, live right, stay safe. We're just a part of the body of Christ. And God will use all of us the way he wants to use us. He decides how he wants to use us. We can't decide that. Why? Because he gave life. Mm-hmm. He gave life. So he's responsible for how he works 
in us and through us. James chapter 1 verse 17 says, listen to this, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. So tell me what goodness you got. You tell me what goodness you got. If every good and every perfect gift come from above, then you tell me what goodness you got. I'm waiting. Uh You don't have no goodness. The only goodness you can ever project is from the vine in you. The only goodness we can ever project is the goodness that comes from God. And if we are not connected to him, uh, then we can't produce any goodness. Uh, I know you've done some things where you feel like that's good, uh, but I'm telling you, uh, the only thing that could be good uh, is something that comes from God. And I can go as far as to tell you, whatever you do that you think is good, without God giving you life, you couldn't do it. He got all the angles covered. So we might as well enjoy him. Tell your neighbor, we might as well enjoy God. We, we might as well. We can't get away from him. We, we, we can't lose him. We might try to live life, do this life thing without him. But guess what? Sooner or later, you're going to have to face him. Sooner or later, you're going to have to come face to face with the almighty God. We can't get away from him. Sooner or later. Remember I told you the other day, back in the day, my grandmom know all about this. Back in the day, once you know you stayed out too late, Sam, and the door locked, because they locked the door by a certain time back in the day. I don't know if the kids know that, that, that these days, but they used to lock the door by a certain time back in the day. And so once that door locked, you done. So I'm just telling you, this is how it worked. Door locked, that's it. Back then, parents didn't give kids keys. Even they didn't give kids keys back then. They locked the door and that's it. So you don't get in without them. And if they open the door, you're getting a whooping. So the bottom line is, you know, I'm past my time. So guess what now? You're getting a whooping. You're going to come face to face with that parent at some point in time. And so what you do is you have the best time of your life. That, that, that's what some people are doing in the world right now. I understand. Listen, if, if, if I talk to you and you tell me, preacher, I hear what you're saying, but just let me live my life and I'll just pay the consequences. I'm, I'm leaving you alone. Because you're doing what we did as kids. The only difference is this is in this life and the life that we deal with Jesus Christ is going to be eternal. And so the bottom line is we have to at some point face that parent. I don't know how some of y'all got beatings. But the beans we got back then wasn't no, um, what my wife do? Um, you're going to get three. Stretch your hand out. No, no, no. That's not how we got beaten. I don't know about, plus where I grew up, wasn't no diapers. <laughs> wasn't no diapers. So when you done getting beaten, you got all kind of cuts and swellings and all kind of stuff. Your neck all crooked up and everything. That's how you got beaten back in the day. Uh-huh. You had to face the piper. You had to face that parent. Well, I'm here to tell you today, you're going to have to face God at some point in time of your life. 
you can't escape him. He is the doorkeeper. He is the parent. He is the giver of life. And at some point in time, we're going to have to face him and he will decide what will happen to you. And it won't just be a beating. Mm -mm. I'll take that beating every day over what will happen if I don't follow him. Jesus wants to be connected to you. Jesus wants to want to be connected to you. When the branch is not bearing fruit, listen to me, church. When the branch is not bearing fruit, fruit, it is not the vine's fault. When the vine, or should I say, when the branch is not bearing fruit, it is not the vine's fault. How can you say that, preacher? Because if you look at a tree, one branch might be bare, no fruit. But you look at the other branches, you see fruit. So who fault is that? Is it divine? No, it ain't divine. It's the branch probably being deformed. It's the branch probably not co- cooperating. It's the branch that's being stubborn. And so the vine can't penetrate to make it bring forth fruit. So I'm here to say this. If we don't allow Jesus in our life, we can't bring forth no fruit. You want to know what's wrong? We haven't let Jesus into our life. We haven't allowed the infilling of the spirit to take place in our life and give the spirit of God control in our life. I'll be done in a second. Um, So Friday, went for my colonoscopy, my first one. Um, As a baby, after I got out of the hospital as a baby, all the baby stuff and all that stuff was over. I've never been in a hospital a day in my life for nothing that was wrong with me. Strong as an ox, nothing, nothing, just let's go. Never had IV, never had nothing. I'm rolling. Never had to be cut for anything. Never had to be, nothing. Regular stuff. And so, they give you the prep for the colonoscopy. You got to drink all of this stuff. And so, from Thursday, didn't eat nothing Thursday. Then at a certain time, got to drink all of this stuff. Then I got to wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning, drink all of this stuff. Y'all know, I did, this is my, that was my first time. And so, now Friday morning, here we go. Going up to the hospital to get this done. I wasn't comfortable at all. <laughs> and then every time I meet somebody there, here they go. The prepping was the hardest part. That's all they kept telling me. Every time you run into somebody, they were so nice. These people were so nice. The prepping was the hardest part. So you're good. They're trying to convince me. You're good. The prepping was the hardest part. And I looked at them and says, no, the prepping was the easiest part. You know, God always gives you revelations. So when, you mind, when your mind is stayed on Jesus, he will always show you something. And so I said, no, the prepping was easy. They said, really? And they're making faces like, no, that should be the hardest part. But here is what I discovered about me and probably about all of us, most of us. Whatever you have control over, if you're determined enough and you are one that gets it done, it's never hard. Whatever you have control of, it's never hard. I took the prep, the prep thing. I'm like, bring it on. My wife told me, about, let me get you some, um, some, 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 some clear jello. 
Let me get you some clear icy. Get out of here with that. You can drink some some broth. Get out of here with that. Because it's just my personality. I got this. Get out of here with that. I'm just going to drink water and Gatorade. Stay away from me. I don't want all that stuff. So she thought I was. So so me, I meet everything with a challenge. That's his, that's how my crazy son over there. He do that. We can't play games at the house with him because he always gets so just, oh, man. And then the little one doing the same thing. But anyway, they get it from their dad. And so I'm 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 there. And, and, and she telling me all this stuff to take. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. I'm just going to do what I do. So to me, the prep part, I met it with a challenge, and I took care of that. I knocked it out. I got up at 3 o'clock. I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning, drank the thing, and drank 32 ounces of water in about five minutes. Get out of here with that. I'm good. Just how I am. That's my personality. I got it. But when I got into that hospital, it changed the game because I wasn't in control no more. So here's the revelation. We struggle with surrendering our life to God because we are comfortable being in control. And so we're missing out on the vine working in our life and producing what he wants because we like to be in control. I could not do that. Where are my kids? They say procedure. Right, Jordy? Dad, did you do the procedure? Because that's what I told them. I got a procedure. So... We can't, when they were pushing me around and everything, if I decided, I'm getting off the stretcher. <laughs> right before I went and I said to my wife, I think I might be having a panic attack here. I, just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So I got up out of the chair. I was waiting in the waiting area. I got up out of the chair and took a walk. Because why? I was going to lose control. That's what was struggling within me, told losing control. When I prepped, I had control prepping. But now, I got to get in the stretcher. Take all your clothes off and put the robe on backwards. All of this stuff, man. I saw it. You know how many times I've been in the hospital praying for people and all this stuff and all of this stuff. And I'm like, well, I ain't never had to do that. And now my day came. Take off all your clothes and put the robe on backwards. So here we go. Now, what if I would have not done that? That's what, check one. Then I got in the stretcher. Oh, man. They put up the arm rails. I just, all of this stuff, man. They put the arm rails up, put your clothes under the stretcher. Then the nurse finally came, put down, put the brake down, and get ready to push. I said, can you push this all by yourself? Man, I lost control. I'm like, Okay, she started, she said, well, I can do it. And she just played along with my game. I can do it. So she started pushing me, pushing me. All of a sudden, I'm in the OR room now. We'll put the brake on. I'm looking around, everybody moving around, doing their stuff, hostage, doing their stuff, getting ready. How you feeling? I said, I don't know. And then they said, well, you're getting ready to get the, one of the best nap you've ever taken. That's what they said. I said, okay, yeah, all right. And so before you know it, you know, IV going, everything going. Talk to you for a little bit before you know it, gone. Gone. I said, oh, Lord. Got back up. You done. Had no control over the situation 
for the situation, the procedure to get done. So I tell all the brothers, make sure you go get your colonoscopy, brother. I'm all good right now. I'm good. I don't have to go back. The doctor said you can come back in three years. We'll check you again. But man, oh man, it was an experience to realize surrenderance, lose control. And it just made me think about our relationship with Jesus Christ, that we have a hard time having the right relationship with him because we don't want to release all the controls to him and let him work in our life. But if we're ever going to be what he wants us to be, we're going to have to turn over the controls to him and trust him that because he's the giver of life and trust him because he is the resurrection and trust him because he is the one that gives knowledge. If we will turn over our life to him and trust him, he will do us just right. I trust the nurses. I trust the doctors. I trust the anesthesiologists. I trusted everybody in that hospital to bring me through this procedure. Are you kidding me? For everybody that's been in the hospital, you need to trust Jesus like you have never trusted him. There is no way I'm going to trust people that are flawed. I'm going to trust people that make mistakes and not trust God who is not flawed and can't make a mistake. God can't make a mistake. God can't slip. So why would I trust them and not trust him? I'm getting ready to close this thing up. We got to abide in Christ. Because it's the only way our life is going to be fruitful. I feel bad as the pastor. One of the things that pastors struggle with is watching people flounder. And watch people struggle. And the struggle and the floundering only comes from them not abiding in Christ. Only comes from them not trusting Christ. Because when you trust them, all of that stuff is gone. And life begins to move a whole lot differently when you abide in Him. When you trust Him. And I'm asking you today, people of God, will you trust God and totally commit your life to Him and abide in Him? Because if you do so, He can't fail you. He can't let you down. He he can't make a mistake. He cannot mess up your life. He can't do those things because he is the all-knowing God. He's the all-powerful God. He is the one that wants what's best for you like nobody else wants what's best for you. If we're not bearing fruit, it's not his fault. It's our fault. It's us not allowing him, the vine, to connect in our life. We need to get connected to Jesus this morning. We can only do so by giving the Holy Spirit access to our life. Let him infill you. We must abide in him. Notice the word of God says, abide in me. Why didn't he say, I will abide in you and you abide in me? He could have says, I will abide in you, you abide in me. But that's not how we do it. You read those few texts of scriptures that we read earlier. All of it says, abide in me and I in you. It was always 
in that way. You know why? You make the choice whether or not to abide in him. He put it on you. Because what he's trying to get you to know is, I'm always going to do my thing. I'm always going to do what I say I would do. So the only way this thing is going to work is if you allow it to work. Oh, somebody help me this morning. The only way it's going to work is if we allow it to work. You telling me the almighty God, this great God, this wonderful God that designed everything, he can't just make it work? Nope, he needs you to make it work. Abide in me and I in you. Abide in me and I in you. If you abide in me and I in you, that's what he continues to say. It's up to us whether or not the almighty God will abide in our life and produce fruit in our life. It's up to us, not him. It's up to us, not him. So it will never work if you decide that you're just going to just chill. It's like when we come to church. And we decide that we're just going to look around and not praise God. We're just going to look around and not worship God. We're just going to look around and not clap our hands to God. We're just going to. I'm not picking on you. I'm making a point. When you do that, you stop the vine from possessing you. You stop the vine from being in you and working in you and produce fruit because he won't force his way. This is why branches wither and fall off the tree and die because it has determined that vine is not getting in me. Go look at the trees. A lot of branches still going, but some got dried up. And if you try to swing on it like we did as kids, it just pop and you fall right on your butt or your back because the branch is dry and withered and no good anymore because that branch decided I don't want that vine in me. When you decide you don't want the vine in you, you're going to get dried up. When you decide you don't want that vine in you, you're going to fall off the tree. When you decide you don't want that vine in you, then when you fall off the tree, you're going to become wood for the fire. That's the Bible. I just say, in case you don't know, that's the scripture. You can go back and look. That's all scripture. That's what the word of God said. And say, so every time it was abide in me, the text, Jesus talked about abide, abide in me. The order is always that we must first abide in him. What does abide mean? Abide means to stay in a given place. Abide means a given state. Abide means a given relation or expectancy. Let me give it to you a little bit better. Abide means continue in. Abide means to continue in. Abide means to continue in Christ. Abide means to remain in Christ. Abide means to dwell in Christ. Abide means to endure in Christ. Abide means to remain in Christ. Abide means to stand in Christ. 
So when we say that we abide in Christ, it means I remain. I'm not moving. When we say we're abiding in Christ, it means I dwell. I am not moving. When I say I abide in Christ, it means I will continue over and over in Christ. That's what it means when he says, if you abide in me, it means you continue in me. It means you dwell in me. It means you stand in me. That's what it means when it says, abide in me, abide in me. I'm closing here. Many of us treat our relationship with God. Like I treat my gym membership. Many of us treat our relationship with Christ like I do my gym membership. About May of 2019, I was killing the gym. I was bossing it. Can't talk to me every day. Got up, systematic, doing my thing. Killing it. Got some muscles going. Feeling healthy. All stuff working good, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, doing good. I'm trim. Part of it was my son was getting married in December, and I want to make sure my stuff fit right with me. <laughs> Ladies, you, you, you can agree. You know what's going on. You know when you got some and you buy this expensive dress, you know you make you you got to fit it right. So you all understand, right? So you know. Competition. So I want to make sure my son know I still represent, you know, because he, he was going to try to look good. So he ain't going to outdo me. That was in my back of my mind. I said, he ain't going to outdo me. <laughs> he think because he cool and young, he was going to be sharper than me. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. That's right. So I, I went to the place, got my stuff nice and tight, but I had to keep working out. <laughs> So the day when we put on it, he wasn't going to look that much better than me. I know he's younger, but he wasn't going to look that much better than me. <laughs> and so, got it together. Wedding day came. I wish I had the picture of me and my daughter-in-law. Put it up on the screens. Because I was looking good. I said, "Woo! Pull it off! I look like James Bond in my tuxedo. And then December 20th came. That's the day we got on the ship. I haven't been to the gym since December 20th. I haven't been to the gym since December 20th, man. I'm just like, man. And so I know I need to go to the gym to get it going again. And so Monday I will start up going to the gym again. But I'm just telling you I was doing my thing. Yeah, but they do have the gym on the ship. You know, you go on vacation. I don't want to put myself on the, the whole, you know, time schedule. A couple of times, me and my wife talk about you go early, I go late. I go late. You go, uh, we were supposed to go to the gym. I'm like, no, I'm on vacation. I get up when I want. I eat when I want. I do what I want. 
And so that's why I never really hit the gym. And a lot of times I went on a cruise, I, I hit the gym, but this time I just didn't want to because I felt like I worked hard to, to, to make sure I was good in my tux. I hope y'all listening to me. I hope you're listening to me, what I'm saying. Uh huh. The more you do something, the more you want to continue doing something. And it becomes better for you. And you become greater at it. And you get to see a lot of result in it. <laughs> but the less you do something, the less you want to continue doing it. You never really become good at it. And you really don't get a good result out of it. Result is almost nothing. So, God has called us to be a part of the body of Christ, the church of the living God. The more you come when the body assembles, the more you will like to come. The more you come when the body is assembled, the more you will become effective in it and learn about it and do things in it. The more you come, the better the results will be in your life. But the less you come, the less you're going to want to come. The less you come, the less results you'll see. The less you come, the less you want, the, 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 the least effective you will be in it. And so here we are in the conundrum of the struggle, and that is we don't come enough. This is why from the beginning I told y'all, Saturday nights we got a new job. We're going to text each other. Don't forget. Now, now I hear you. I already hear you. If they don't want to come, that's their business. Please don't be like that. I am going to tell you this. If you only care about you, you probably won't make it. That's a fact. Write it down. Say the preacher said it. If all I care about is me being saved, you probably won't be saved. Mark it down. Write it on your mirror. Write it in your journal. If all I care about is me being saved and staying saved, I'm probably not going to be saved in the end. Quiet now, huh? Because when you care about somebody else, sincerely, genuinely care about somebody else, it makes you tighten up your game. You become better at how you do it. Because now you know I'm trying to help somebody and I'm just going to be a hypocrite by living any kind of way I want and then try to tell somebody else what they should be doing. So because I don't want to be no hypocrite, you know what I'm going to do? Make sure my game is tight. So when I reach out and say, hey, girl, you need to come to church tomorrow. I ain't see you. I need to see you. You don't look like no hypocrite because you weren't there either. So when you care about somebody else in anything, it will make things better in your life. If all you want is for you to succeed, you're going to end up losing. Mark it down. And so we can't treat our relationship with Christ like I treat my gym membership. You don't want to do it. You don't want to do it. Because when I go back on Monday, I can't start off where I left off at. 
I'm not going to be able to lift the same amount of weights I used to lift. I'm not going to be able to run as much as I used to run. All the stuff I was doing, I was like killing. I'm going to start back a different way. That's what happened when we missed church a lot. <laughs> you don't hit the ground running, as we say in corporate America. You don't hit the ground running when you miss church a lot. You start way back there from, you think you're going to start where you left off from when you left? No. You start further back to catch back up. Same thing that happened with the gym. My stuff don't feel good no more. I was feeling that the other day. I'm like, man, it feels kind of soft. Because it's almost two months that I haven't hit the gym. Oh, y'all found it! Lord, look at this thing! See, me and my daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law, we killed it. Yes, sir, where the young gun at? Hey, hey, look at that picture. Yeah, look at that picture. Y'all got a picture of him and tell me who look better. (laughs) Don't mess with me, I got issues, you know, I got issues. Help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Y'all good. I appreciate that. That's what I worked hard to do. And so now I go back to the gym Monday. And I'm going to have to just start off slow. I can't do my regular 45 minutes on the treadmill. I'm probably going to have to do about uh, 25 minutes. 25. Slow like a slow poke. And probably in about a month, I'll be back on top where I was when I first, when I left off in Jan, when I left off in December, then I get back to killing it at the 45. You don't want to miss church. That's all I'm trying to tell you. You don't want to miss church because it puts you back and you never get to produce fruit because it's a cycle of, oh man, you take two steps forward and three steps backward. Count that and see how that works. Two steps forward, three steps backward. You're backward. Three steps forward, five steps backward. That's what happened when we missed church. We're not abiding in Christ. When we're not here, we're not abiding. When we're not here, we're not abiding. We're, we, we come here to, to continue that, 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 that position of abiding in Christ. Let me finish up here. Consistently, you want to know how to abide. Here's how you abide. Consistently attending church services is one way of abiding in Christ. When you consistently come to that, you got to realize that all of us, back to my boy Luke this morning, I told him, I said, this is how it works, in case you don't know. I feel you all. I feel everybody. That's what God does when he calls somebody to pastor people. So I feel all of you. So when you're not here, I feel like something is missing. And sometimes I don't put my finger on it right away. And so this morning I walked past Luke and then it hit me. Well, I feel like I haven't seen you in a while. Well, well, I feel like you're just not with me because it's how God do. It's a body and you all don't understand it, but you will eventually. It's a body and any place in your body that's not functioning right. The rest of the body company. Anything that's wrong in any part of your body, the whole body gets affected. That's how good God is. He is so sharp. He's trying to teach us something. So when he says, fail not to assemble yourself together, especially when you see the day of the Lord approaching that much more, when he says, fail not, what he's saying is, always come together when the body meets. 
Don't stay away from when the body gathered together, assembled together. You want to be there. Because you are part of that body. And so when you consistently attend church service, you are abiding in Christ. When you pray consistently, you are abiding in Christ. When, when, when you consistently witness to people with your light just shining and telling people about Jesus, and you minister to people, and you make disciples, you are abiding in Christ. When you serve in the church consistently, you are abiding in Christ. When you continue in the Word of God, you are abiding in Christ. We need to continue in the Word of God like never before. First John 2 and 6 says this. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walk. This is saying If you are going to say you're abiding in Christ, you're going to walk like Christ walked, meaning you're going to mimic what he did. If we say we are abiding in him, we're going to mimic what he does. John, 2 John um, 1 and 9 says, whosoever transgresseth, whosoever go against and abideth not In the doctrine of Christ, the word of God is very important for you to abide in Christ. The Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The best way to abide in Christ is to abide in the word of God. Study the word of God. Read the word of God. Listen to the word of God because when the word go into your heart, the word will will abide in you. It's another way of carrying Christ around with you. It's another way of abiding in Christ is having the word of God in your heart. The Bible says the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so if we have the word in us, we now abide in Christ. And so if we're going to abide in God, We're going to have to abide in the word of God. That's the doctrine. Had not God, he that abided in the doctrine of Christ, he had both the father, even the son in him. So when you abide in the word of God, you're abiding in God. And so we can't, we don't want to severance or separate ourselves from God, because if we do, we are going to be in trouble. We can do nothing without God. We can do nothing without God. The disciple is nothing without his master. The servant is nothing without his Lord. The soldier is nothing without his commander. The hand is nothing without the head. The Christian is nothing without Christ. And so I close with this here, if you will stand with me. John chapter 15 verse 8 which is part of what we read when we started. And that is, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. 
God wants you to bear not just some fruit. God wants you to bear much fruit. Much fruit. Tell your neighbor, much fruit. God wants you to bear much fruit. And so what you have produced far less than what God expects for you to produce. Not you per se, because we know that it's divine that produced the fruit. But you abiding in him gives him the opportunity to produce much fruit in you and through you. So it says, herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. When we abide in Christ, we will bear much fruit. Fruit has to come forth when we abide in Christ. Fruit will show up when we abide in Christ. Fruit will show up in your character. Fruit will show up in your attributes. Fruit will show up how you treat people. Fruit will show up when you do the will of God and and being a witness. So if we will abide in Christ. Not long ago, during December month, I talked to you about what made Mary so special over all the other virgin girls that was around. And why did um, the Lord choose her to be the one to carry the Messiah? And remember, I told you what the answer was to that. And that is God knows who he can trust to say yes to his will. And he knows who he cannot trust to say yes to his will. God knows that. And it's not a coincidence why God allow people to be used by him to do his work. And others, you don't see it because they have not surrendered, abide in Christ. And when you're not abiding, that makes you disqualified to do the things that God want to do. Remember what I said about the branch. If the branch resists the vine, it starts drying up and wither and it falls off the tree. You don't want to be that branch. You want to be the branch that allows the vine to come in. You want to be that branch that give access to the branch, to the vine, so the vine can take its rightful place within you and do what needs to be done. We're going to have to abide in Christ. And God wanted me to share this with you this morning because we're getting ready to make a crucial move in this church. I believe that there's a big move that's going to take place in this church and God is trying to gather us together. Sunday isn't the only time we're here. Sunday at 1030 isn't the only time that we're here. The body assembles on Thursdays at 730. The body assembles Saturday evenings at 630. The body assembles 930 for Sunday school on Sunday mornings. 1030 for church service on Sunday mornings. Every first Saturday morning at 8 a.m., the body assembles for prayer and teaching. The body is assembling quite a bit. And if we're going to be a part of what God is doing, remember how God works. God works in order. What do you mean by that, preacher? You can't live however you want and God sanctioned that. What do you mean by that, preacher? I don't need to gather with the church building, with the church in a building to be a part of the body of Christ and for God to use me. Okay, try it. See what happens. 
I'm serious about that. Try that and see what happens. Let me mention this one last thing. This today, I guess I'm just supposed to just instruct you today. Let me mention this one last thing before we shut this thing down. A lot of times we put our eyes, Ethan, on sin and then say, I'm not sinning. So we will look and we will say, I'm not out there living this kind of life. I'm not sinning and everything like that. Here is what I feel strongly about I need to say to everybody. A lot of times we are not sinning, but here is where we miss the mark. There is actions that lead to sin. There are actions that lead to sin. But we tend to put our eye on the sin to say, I'm not doing it. Instead of taking the right step to say, but what am I doing? Is it something that can lead to that? This is why sometimes we find ourselves in a bad situation and we say, I just don't know how I got here. Because you weren't watching all of your behavior. You were just worrying about that big thing right there. Oh, that sin right there. I got to stay away from it. I can't let it get me. But sin just don't get you like that. The devil is crafty. He is sneaky. So he don't, he don't just show up and get you. No, he weaved the web. He set the trap that lure you. That, that you're going in a way and you're not sure. But you're just going. And there's nothing wrong with where you're going. And all of a sudden you find yourself right in the situation where you didn't want to be. And that's what I want you all to know. That because you're not doing something really bad doesn't mean you're not going that way doesn't mean you're not going that way it only just means you're not there yet and so i'm saying by the holy ghost this morning check the path that you're taking the bible says my word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path So if you're not walking in the path of where the word is leading you, then you could be lowered to a place that will cause you to sin and fall away from God. Stop worrying about the big sin. Worry about every little step you take. Worry about every little step you take and ask yourself, where's it taking me? What is this going to do for me? When you worry about every little step, you will never get to the big sin. But just worrying about the big sin, you can get there and not know how many of us got into situation and still shaking your head today saying, I don't understand how I got there. I put my hand up first. I put my hand up first. That I've seen, I've got myself in situation. I'm like, boy, how did you... Because I didn't watch every little step I was taking. Because, because I didn't check every little step that I take. Because it don't start out that you take this big wrong step. It just starts out just going, no big deal. And so I wanted to tell you today, pay attention to everything that you're doing. We have to abide in Christ. And the way we abide in Christ is let that word abiding abide in us. 
We have to assemble when the body is assembled. We have to gather together when the body is together because it's how we're going to produce fruit. You do this enough and you're going to enjoy this life like you never think you would enjoy it. When you start to produce fruit and the power of God start to work in your life and your loved ones are sick and you pray and they get healed and it just becomes like, man, you're like, what in the world is this? You're just like, man, God, you're working in my life and this is happening? It becomes different for you. But the way that happens is by you abiding in him. And you start to see his fruit in your life. And you just don't be tempted to take the credit. That's all. Just don't take the credit. Just keep giving him the glory. Just say, man, it's it's the vine that's running in me. The spirit, the word that's running in me, that's causing these things to come to pass. Has nothing to do with me. Let's bow our heads and let's pray before we get out of here. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for speaking to our soul, for speaking to our heart today. Lord God, we want to abide in you. You have given us that responsibility. You have given us that choice to determine if we will abide in you. You are ready and available to infill us, to, 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 to dwell in us. And oh my God, I pray today that somebody, somebody hear me today, let go of everything. Trust God and know that He will keep you. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fret. Just trust God and He will guide you and lead you and he will keep you and he will protect you and he will do what's best for you but you have to surrender and abide in him father today we surrender to you we give up the controls almighty god for we know that you being in control is what's best for us We give up the controls, almighty God, that you may have total control in our lives, that you may lead us, oh God, as you please and how you desire, Lord God. God, will you help us and teach us how to completely surrender and how to allow you to have the control. I pray today that somebody will experience a breakthrough today or throughout this week for because they abide in you, because they surrendered to you because they they, they cast everything off and and allow you, Lord God, to take control of their life. I pray somebody today will say yes to your will. That somebody today will say yes to your way. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that thy kingdom come, that thy will be done. I pray today, Lord God, that the power of God will just consume us. The vine will grow within us and the fruit will begin to manifest on the branches Lord God where people will see the glory of the Lord and oh God we will testify of your goodness and oh God we will exalt your name and oh God we will praise your name for all the great things you have done Father strengthen this church individually and collectively 
as you prepare us, Lord God, for where you're taking us. I pray that you'll move on those that are here this morning, those that are not here. Will you move on them in a special way, Lord God? Will you do a work in their life that will cause them to be strengthened, that when they come back together and assemble themselves with the body, they will be steadfast, unmovable, unshakable, and always abounding in the word of the Lord. I pray today, Lord God, that every person that's a part of this church that you're brought together, oh God, to represent you in this area, in this community. I pray that the power from on high will overshadow us. And God, we will come together for such a time as this, for the glory of God to be revealed and for your will to be done. God, have your way. Bind us together in unity of the Spirit of the Holy Ghost that, Lord, we can be unified one with another in the name of Jesus Christ.